singing about the holiness of God, that sounds like heaven, and we need a whole lot more of that here on earth. I'm going to invite you to uh, stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 1, and we'll read the whole chapter uh, together. John again is writing towards the um, uh, end of his earthly life. And uh, he's seen so much. He's been with Jesus for his three years of earthly ministry. He was there when the church uh, began and now towards the end of his, his life. He has a message for the church he loved and was a part of then and he has a word for us now. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest. We've seen it. Testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. If you've got fellowship with God, you get more joyful as you see other people having fellowship with God. If you have fellowship with God, you know there's nothing better than that. And it's the opposite of the world. The world, if it has something, it wants to keep you from it. The gospel, if you've got it, you want everybody to the end of the earth to know it. So this is the message, verse 5. We've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word not, is not in us. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word We've read a scene from Luke 10, and, and John was there. He was in the room when, when uh, Jesus spoke to Martha. And then towards the end of his life, he's, he's really encouraged. There's nothing more precious, more valuable, more life-giving. Really what life is, is to have fellowship with you. And so, God, we've just been warned in this passage that there's a way we can go about life where we're really deceiving ourselves. There's a way we can go about life where we say, yes, I've got fellowship with God when we, when we don't. So I thank you that you love us enough to, like Martha, confront us and tell us the truth. I'm asking for grace that when we hear it from your word, we would receive it. Believe it, trust it, obey it, and live. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, you might have picked up on the fact that we were in an unhurried way through 1 John chapter 1. We don't read or study the Bible to finish. We read or study the Bible to give God an opportunity to change our lives. So if you're entering 2023 and you'd say, uh, I don't want to keep going the way that I've been going, that's a work of God in your life. I just want you to know that. I don't want to keep going the direction I have been going and the Mary Martha Jesus account in Luke 10 will help us as we uh, think about here in 1 John chapter 1. You are made by God and for God. So that can end all of your identity questions. It tells you where you came from and what you're here for. You're made by God, not an accident, 
You're not. If Even if everyone else tells you that you are, you're not. God says you're not. I made you. And He made you for Himself. To love Him. To glorify Him. To have fellowship with Him. But what I want us to see here is, it's not just a so-called, really, what we would call really bad things that keep you from fellowship with God. Sometimes it's simple as distraction. Martha's just distracted. Let's cut her a little bit of slack here. She's having everybody to her house, right? It's life group day, right? So uh, tonight, some very generous people are opening up their homes tonight for, for life group. And that's a small thing, having everybody to your house tonight. So you, you likely have worked. I mean, I'm, I just praise God for the people who are doing that. If you're not part of a life group and want to be, there's my little plug. It's an unhurried meal to be with people and eat and know them by name, know them well. So uh, especially in that day to have people over, hospitality is everything. It's like her honor. Her home is her honor. And you see that she's distracted. That's one of the words that would, I would use to describe the culture right now. Distracted. Distracted. Always in a rush. Not quite sure where we're going, but wherever we're going, we're going there really fast, right? We talked about this last week. Slow is the ultimate insult in 2023. The service at the restaurant was slow. That movie, the plot was too slow. The, uh, the book that I started to read, it was too, too slow. We don't like slow things. Talked last week that they've identified something legitimately called hurry sickness. You're always in your mind in a hurry. And here were the signs. Let's give them to you again. You go to the checkout line and you're counting. Which line can I go through that is the, what is it? Shortest, so that it will be the fastest, so that you can go on about your life. And it gets to the point where we don't recognize anymore that we're standing in line with People who are made by God and for God. Now, hurry sickness just says, those are the people in my way. And they got to go. And the checkout person, just do it faster. I won't even go to the checkout person. I'll go to the checkout machine because I know they'll be more efficient and fast. And friends, what you end up being distracted is from your own life. Or if the checkout line didn't get you, the stoplight will, you do that. I've had so many arguments with stoplights. Why did you let them go? I was next. Oh, CBS intersection over here. That Forest Hill and Sunset. It's been a sanctifying work in my life. To sit there. Tapping the... I don't know. Hurry. Where are you going? Where are you? Remember, that's God's question to Adam. And then if you're multitasking to the point that you forgot one of the tasks. Hurry sickness. So i got two points this morning. Here's the first one. Distraction is really dangerous. Distraction is really dangerous. The Thursday before Christmas, it was that day, you might remember that it just rained, poured rain. And then that Saturday, it turned so cold. Man, if it was the rain of Thursday with the temperature of Saturday, we'd still be all at home with uh, snowed in, right? And on that day, our family, uh, Juliana's birthday, uh, she had just turned nine that week, and so we were going to go 
to carry to go ice skating. And Julie had planned it all out. And so we, uh, I get up that morning and I do what I usually do. I check the weather and I see this whole storm's coming. And I had the thought in my head, this probably isn't a great day to go traveling to, uh, to, to carry to go ice skating. But she's planned it and we're going to go. So we're driving, and there is a portion, man, uh, when uh, you're headed towards Raleigh, and you're going to split, and you can't keep going straight. you got to go right or left, on the, uh, get on the belt line, and if you go left, that to me is just the worst stretch of highway in the world. They've been working on it for a generation now, and so we're, I, I was following the GPS, uh, so when I realized around 540, that's the direction we were going, I was already thinking, oh no, it is pouring down rain, and we're going the speed limit, by the way. We're going the speed limit. And somewhere in there, the highway divides and a bright red charger came flying up beside me, worthy of its name. I mean, it was just wherever they started to go, they were going. And, and uh, they, they drove a little on the curb and began to hydroplane. I'm going 65, they were going faster than that, but now they're right beside me, and their car started to spin. And uh, I just sort of edged over into the left lane, had checked quickly. It, It all happened in three seconds, but I see every moment. And that car began to spin and do a full 360, and it's coming now to our back bumper, and I'm gripping the steering wheel as tight as I can, edged over, and it had to be less than a foot that it spun and missed our back fender and did the full 360 and went across all four lanes of traffic. And I had the thought, why are they going that fast? Charging through life, right? Pouring rain. So, so, so distraction, windows were super tinted, so I don't know if they were on there. I don't know. I don't know. It's going way too fast. But what I want you to see is, as they were going way too fast, it was actually endangering us too. So when we talk about the danger of distraction, it's not just, so we tend to be this way, we kind of individualize everything. It's not, if you're going too fast through life, it's not just a danger to you, it's a danger to your family. It's a danger to your children. It's a danger to your church family. It's a danger to your coworker who doesn't know Jesus. It's a danger to the person who sits beside you in class every single week that you've not had a meaningful conversation with yet because you're rushing through life. So I want to define distraction. And you'll see this is true of Mary. I'm sorry, Martha, by the way. When I was thinking about that Mary and Martha passage, I think the difference between the two is that Mary, who sat at the feet of Jesus, saw him as beautiful, as glorious, as almighty. And Martha saw him as useful. And friends, that's the difference between fellowship with God and being around the things of God, but never really having fellowship with God. Do you find Jesus beautiful or useful? Because she shows up in the middle of his teaching and says, I need to straighten you out and you need to straighten her out. You need to be used to do what I think you should do. But Mary sat at his feet. Here's here's distraction. Investing your time, attention, energy, and purpose into things not aligned with the two greatest commandments. 
What are the two greatest commandments? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So distraction is investing your time, energy, attention, and purpose. That is to say, investing your life into things that are not aligned with the two greatest commandments. Anybody like me, you're a to-do list person? I love a to-do list. I make a more... I do a lot more to-do list than I do the list, if that makes sense. But man, something about that checking it off is just awesome. Fellowship with God, there's two things on your list. Love him above all and love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's the list. And then as you go through life, because you're going to go to work, you're going to go to school, you're going to go, you're going to live your life. But those are the things you're doing while you're doing those things. It's not like, well, I love God over here, but now I really got to get going. That's how Martha was. So what's the last real, full, unrushed conversation that you've had with another living, breathing, made in the image of God, human being? Or do you find yourself somewhere mentally, frequently, that you are not physically? Like your mind and your body are a thousand miles away from each other. Or can I just ask it this way? Are you enjoying life? In His presence is fullness of joy. We did these last week, but since we're going to be unhurried about this, John Mark Homer in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, gives a few signs that that you're moving through life too fast and distracted. You know what number one on the list is? Irritability. Irritable, and maybe you don't even really know why. It's kind of just below the surface, and it doesn't take much. The stoplight, for example, that just says, restlessness, meaning even when you try to calm down, you have to quickly search for some kind of stimuli And you're no longer able to sit in peace and quiet. Be still and know that I am God. uh, Those wonderful devices we've all got. A whole lot of implications to everything we're talking about, by the way. And we'll deal with that specifically on one of the Sundays to come. But one of the things that's robbed us of is the ability to sit in stillness and quiet and enjoy the presence of God in prayer. Uh, Because love is unhurried, hurry is the death of prayer. Hurry is the death of witnessing. Hurry is the death of so so many things. So so irritability, there's a reason that our culture is so angry. There's restlessness, compulsive overworking. Now, obviously, in a God-honoring way, there is a place for work. Another... uh, uh, a sign of distraction is emotional numbness, meaning a weird detachment, except for anger or anxiety, kind of a lack of empathy. I mean, could Martha be any less empathetic to Mary, right? Escapist behavior is a sign of distraction, meaning binge-watching hours and hours as if that's why God created us. To see every last show, you know, you watch an entire season now in a day. Or a whole lot of time scrolling, scrolling, scrolling on social media. Or frequently turning to, to shopping just because i got to get something out of life, so i got to get a new this. It's because we're distracted. 
John Mark Homer also says, you, you know you're distracted when you're disconnected from your identity and calling as a follower of Jesus. So you'll be distracted from making disciples. You just fill life up with things that, remember what Jesus said? Mary has chosen the greater portion, and it will not be taken from her. The implication is, Martha, your life is full of stuff that's going to be taken. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And a lot of the stuff we fill our life with is robbing us of life. You know, the enemy doesn't mind. Well, put it this way. The enemy does not have to make you overtly sinful. All he has to do is make you distracted and hurried. We become reactive and not proactive. We're not attending to basic human needs. How'd you sleep last night, right? Cooking your own food. I'm terrible at that. Neglecting exercise. Just basic human needs. I think I mentioned last week that before the light bulb was invented, people slept an average of 11 hours a night. Part of our irritability, by the way, comes from we're just not getting enough rest. And then a major one, of course, is drifting from the spiritual disciplines of the word, prayer, meeting with your church, meditating upon Scripture. Distracted from the most important things in life. So Martha, let's, let's think about it. She's irritable, she's anxious, she's frustrated, she's pretty passive-aggressive with Jesus, isn't she? And she's missing out. Right in front of her is the greatest blessing she could ever have. So friends, for many of us, life isn't going to get better by something new coming into it so much as a renewed appreciation for what's right here in front of us. The Lord, my family, my church, my city. Martha's not running a crime syndicate out of her house, is she? I mean, I mean she, she's, she's not physically harming anyone. She's not overtly, outlandishly sinning, but she is walking in darkness. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. See, I think there's a way that Martha could have approached this whole thing and said, I'm the one who has, I'm in fellowship with God. I'm the one doing all the work. I'm the one doing all the serving. They're just sitting in there, right? And you can read the passage and you can feel Martha getting more irritated. And here are the two signs that you know you're distracted and out of fellowship with God. Number one, you start telling God what he should be doing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. And when you're distracted, you kind of take God's seat and say, I should be running things, and if I were running things, here's what I would do, God. Tell her to help me. Because when you're disconnected from God, your life becomes about, about you. And you begin to love yourself with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you no longer love your neighbor. You see your neighbor as somebody who's in your way, or their life would be better if they were more like you. That's, what Mar that's, that's who Martha is. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. What if Jesus looked at Martha and said, you are anxious and troubled about many things, and she said, no, I'm not. 
Jesus begins to transform us when we begin to agree with him. Because he's a truth teller. There's no, there's no darkness in him. Psalm 23, we all love Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh man, Martha wants all sorts of things. She wants credit, she wants control, she wants to be in charge. But notice, he makes, he makes me, he's got to make us do it, makes me lie down in green pastures and still waters. He restores my soul. Right in front of Martha is a green pasture and still water. And you know where the psalm goes next, don't you? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. What do you know about Martha next? What's the next scene? It's the shadow of death, man. Her brother, Lazarus, has unexpectedly died. And you know what her accusation to Jesus is? If you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. I'm so much like her. She's more worried about preparing the dinner table just right. You know where Psalm 23 goes? You have prepared for me a table in the presence of my enemies. Right there in the presence of anxiety, fear, frustration. Jesus is setting a table. We know where he's going. So it's, of course, clear that likely what he's in her house talking about is the cross and where he's going to go. So how, how is distraction dangerous? Distraction is a very serious problem for this reason. A distracted soul will very quickly become a discouraged soul. A distracted soul will very quickly become a discouraged soul. So we can put the pieces together, can't we? Martha is serving and she begins to get irritated with Mary. She starts probably talking to herself about Mary. Do you ever do this? Starts running down Mary in her mind. And if you begin to see your other family members as just, you've just got a constant uh, ongoing narration in your heart and mind about all the things that they're doing wrong, you're distracted. But she doesn't stop with Mary. We know from what she says, at some point she moves to Jesus and she begins to get irritated with him. Why is he just letting her sit there? Why doesn't he tell her to come in here and help me? So when we're distracted in our souls, we begin to interpret everything according to our own insight and feelings, and that, friends, never goes well. So distraction is investing your time, energy, attention, and purpose into things not aligned with the two greatest commandments. And so look at Martha. She thinks the worst about Jesus and about Mary. She does not see Jesus as Lord or Mary as her neighbor. She sees Jesus as one needing correction and Mary as one who needs to become more like her. So I know I'm distracted when I begin to think that God should listen to me and that what he should really be doing is telling everyone to become more like me, right? That's, that's you're distracted. But remember our opening illustration, the distraction is not just a danger to you. It actually is a danger to everyone else around you. And so John gets to the end of his life and he's starting 1 John. If I tell you anything, I've seen it, I've heard it, touched it, life's made manifest, put everything into fellowship with God, and all the other stuff, all the other great stuff comes out of, out of that. So that was point number one, distraction is dangerous. N number two, Jesus is not distracted, he's not anxious, he's not troubled, 
and we can become more like Him. Amen? He's not anxious. He's not distracted. He's not troubled. In most confrontations, the one being confronted matches the approach of the one confronting, right? So if somebody comes up to you and they kind of raise their voice, you most likely will raise your voice back. But do you notice Jesus doesn't, doesn't do that with Martha. She comes in all hot and bothered. Isn't this good news? You can't make Jesus hot and bothered. Why? It's an important question. Why? Because he loves you. So Martha kind of storms up in there. Martha's distracted with much serving. That's an interesting word because that's the word Jesus uses. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So our serving is done unto God or unto ourselves. It's it's not both. Martha is serving unto herself. I'm trying to remember, uh, trying my, my verse for the year is Psalm 16, 11. I've set the Lord always before me. Set the Lord always before me. Or I'll set myself, my name, my reputation, what others think or say, the credit that I think I'm due, the control that I, that I want always before me. And that's where Martha's coming from. So Jesus is not anxious. He's not troubled. He's not distracted. So, so just for a few minutes, I want to give you some things that we see in his life. Is, uh, is number one, uh, his, his life was marked by purposeful fellowship with the Father. So, so if you've got a Bible, I want you to join me in Mark chapter 1. Big picture is going to be this. From Jesus, we need to learn how to slow down. Slow down. Love goes at a certain speed, and that speed, friends, is usually slow. Becoming more like Jesus is slow. Loving other people is often slow. But man, we live in a world, rush, rush, rush. Slowest line you can find. Order it on the app. Don't even have to talk to anybody. So Mark chapter 1, verse 35 Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. Remember, 11 hours of sleep before the light bulb, so don't, you know. No, you're probably not going to be able to go to bed at 2 a.m. and rise very early in the morning. You're going to have to rewind that clock a little bit. So while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. What is that about? Don't you think it's this? He went out to an undistracted place. So I'll just tell you, friends, I've learned this in my life. If I'm going to try to read the Bible and pray with my phone buzzing beside me, it's it's not going to work. He's intentional. This is a decision. Mary has chosen. Jesus has chosen. So so first, this is kind of a non-negotiable. You have to mark your life with purposeful fellowship alone with the Lord. You've got to spend time regularly with God in the Word and in prayer and not be in a rush about it. Bring your Bible and a blank sheet of paper. That's a great place to start. Um, is this not a current habit in your life? Let me give you a good place to start. Start with the four Gospels. So if you read a chapter of the four Gospels a day, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you read a chapter a day, it'll take you about three months to read all four Gospels. And then you get a blank sheet of paper, 
Remember these? Paper? I mean, you use the notes app, but I'm just telling you, I found in my life, oof, doesn't, doesn't work great. And then you answer this question. What did this chapter just teach me about God? It's the best question you could ask. The Bible is about him. Ultimately, the, 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 the revelation of the Bible is how we can have fellowship with him. Adam driven out, Revelation 21, dwelling place of God is with us. How did that happen? Short answer is Jesus, but... What does this teach me about God? His character, his ways, his work. This is simply, friends, this is going to have to be something you resolve in your life. I'm not going to miss time alone with my Father. So build your schedules around this. But remember, we learned this from Martha. You can show up and it can be early and you can have Jesus right there in the house. But if your heart's not right. So, so, so you, a time, a place, and a posture of your heart. One of the things I've learned over the years to simply say at the beginning of a time with the Lord is, Lord, I need you. Help me see what you want me to see. And notice what comes out of Jesus spending time with the Father in this way. Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said, everyone is looking for you. All right, so if you're going to try to live an unhurried life, just be prepared to be surrounded by hurry-up people. You know what I mean? Is this going to happen? It's just true. I'm trying to slow down. Everybody else is trying to, to, to hurry up, right? They found him and said, everybody's looking. Here come all the demands. He's been healing. He's been doing an awesome work. And notice what he says. Having spent time with his father in prayer, let us go on to the next town that I might preach there also, for that is why I came out. Remember, distraction, you'll forget your identity and purpose in life. What we see here is undistracted Jesus never forgets his purpose. So here's the second First, you just got to mark out, I will spend time with God in his word and in prayer. And second, you will slow down in your life by saying, oh, it's a hard word. You ready? No to some things. Got to say no to some things. In this passage, no to the hurried things. Is Jesus unloving, uncaring, off base, not, not doing what he should when he says no? No, but here, here's kind of the deal. I think there's part of us that recognizes, man, we go in a hurry too fast. We need to say no to some things, but if we're out of fellowship with God, we'll say no to the wrong things and say yes to things that aren't about the two great commandments, right? But you slow down by saying no to some things, maybe even a lot of things. Jesus did not come to meet everybody's expectations. In fact, if you'll read through those four Gospels, what you'll find is he doesn't meet anybody's expectations but his father's. And that often keeps him in conflict with everyone else's expectations. That might be the number one thing we're distracted by, the expectations of others. So this must mean if you're going to really love your neighbor as yourself, you're not loving them unto their expectations of you being that way. Does that make sense? You receive that from the Father. See how they go together? If I'm distracted, I'm ultimately distracted from God's love for me. And if I'm distracted from that, what I start to offer other people is not that love. It's frazzled and hurried and frustrated and irritable and angry and so on and so forth. 
when we're distracted, we end up saying yes to all the wrong things and no to the one thing that's necessary. Well, I'll close with this story illustration. Past week, I was able to go to Atlanta with our uh, young people, 18 to 25-year-old group, and um, we're, we're there Tuesday, get there Tuesday in Atlanta, there all day Wednesday, and Thursday we're leaving. We have a Thursday morning session, State Farm Arena, it's where the Atlanta Hawks play, and so there are 18,000, 20,000 people there, and, I, and I've had a great time, loved it, but as the final session is ending, this is just how I'm wired, I'm kind of responsible for the group that's there, my mind starts running the logistics, you know what I mean? I'm kind of always running logistics. Always, this will take this much time, and this will take this much time. I know how much longer the sermon will last, so you can just hang with me. And I say, uh, we're within walking distance of the hotel. If we leave at this, this time, we can probably beat everybody out and get back to our hotel to get our cars. Our cars, have to, the valet has to come bring the cars and all that, and that's going to take a while. And I don't want to be behind all the other people. So, so we got to get out of here. So it becomes obvious they've started their last song. So I, make every, I kind of make everybody leave. A couple people look at me and say, we need to go. So yeah, we're going to go. So we go. We're out of there. Hit the doors. Turn the corner. And I think to myself, I look in front of us. There's the hotel. Nobody is in front of us. Here's what I think. We are winning. We're winning. We're going to get out of here first. And I'm, I'm starting to strut a little bit. I mean, I've been here enough. We, we, this is going to work out great. And it's in that moment that my daughter says my name. Daddy. And I can tell by the way she says it, something's wrong. A little bit of fearful. Like, I don't want to tell you what I'm about to tell you. So I turn around and say, what is it? And she says, I left my phone in the arena. I had sat behind her for the session and I'd seen that her phone was in the cup holder. And I had told myself a thousand times, tell her to pick that phone up, put it in her pocket. All these thoughts come up. We, we just gave you, we just gave you for Christmas. You asked for a strap thing that goes around your waist. So you put your phone in. Why didn't you put your phone in that? If, uh, I, there's a policy. I know there's a policy. They've told us a thousand times. If you exit, you can't get back in. And then, and then how are we going to get the phone? And, da, 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 and, all the, and, and, then, and then what I'm really thinking is all of my plan is just like. <laughs> so a few gracious people went back with her. My plans have been interrupted. I'm no longer feeling like I'm winning. The victory is in jeopardy. And you know what I was in that moment? Anxious and troubled about all sorts of things. You know what? And this is usually 99 out of 100 times what happens. With some creativity, they got the phone back. Story for another day. We'd gone on and checked the, you know, cars come up. And, and honestly, it's like about the time the van that I'm going to drive pulls up, Mary Clara had walked up with her phone. That's usually how it happens. What we're anxious and troubled about is. And, and I was, you know, it's a seven and a half hour drive home, so I had a little time to think. 
So about the time we got out of the city, that's where my mind was. We just get out of the city. Next question, where's the Chick-fil-A? That's where we're stopping. See, my daughter used a word. Daddy. And I heard it, and I interpreted it, and it's an important word. Because it's the word that God says we use of him. Abba. Father. And I got to thinking and praying and you know, the, the real win, honestly, the real victory is not getting out ahead of everybody. That's a hurried mentality. It's a hurried herd. Got to get out. You, you know what I think the real win would have been? Is if she'd have been able to say, you, you know where the anxious daddy came from? The past. Knowing enough about me to know I am messing up daddy's plan because he had it. I mean, she knows me. She's my, she's my girl. Love her. She knew this is going to irritate him. This is going to frustrate him. He's not going to like this. And you know what? I sadly, in humility, she's right. She's right. I was. Interruptions reveal who you really are. And wouldn't it have been awesome if instead of Daddy, she, she could have said it with confidence, believing that her father's heart would respond with compassion and grace, kindness. So you know what the truth is? Left my phone before two. Fellowship with you is what God wants. And fellowship with him begins with confidence in who he really is. He's good. Our sins, you know what? They are many. But praise God, his mercy is more. I'm not going to turn you away. I'm a Sinful earthly dad. I huff. <clears throat> Here's the difference. Wouldn't it have been cool if I'd have been able to turn around and say, Mary Clara, I am not leaving this city without you. It'll work out. Because here's the deal. You are not an interruption to God's plan. You are his plan. Fellowship with you is his heart. To what extent? Calvary. The cross. You hear what John said at the end of my life? It's his blood. It's his blood. What an insult to God when we say, uh, <laughs> I don't have any sin. What you're really saying to him, you didn't shed, you shed your blood for no reason. No, he shed his blood. Because that is the only thing that can cover your sin so that you can have fellowship with Him. So when you come to Him and say, Abba, Father, I need you. 
I need your help. He's not going to be harsh. He's not going to be short-tempered. Do you know what his response to that is? Finally, this is what I have been waiting for you to see. It's not an interruption to him. It's his plan all along to help you, to heal you, to raise you from death to life. He's gentle and lowly of heart. And friends, he is absolutely necessary for your soul. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We don't, it's not come natural to us. I have to learn from him. So in conclusion, here's our invitation. Are you living a distracted life? Irritated, anxious, shallow, filled up with endless entertainment that really doesn't cultivate a healthy soul? Jesus offers a better way. Amen? Jesus offers a better way. But you got to slow down. You can't run by, he doesn't throw the yoke on you as you run by him. You have to stop. It's an act of humility. Say, I'll take it. And I can guarantee you, if you do that, your life would be so much better. Your life would be life. I invite you to stand. We'll pray together. All right, so here's your closing prayer invitation. Mary's chosen, Mary's chosen, better portion. Do you ask God to help you see the things in your life you need to choose to do and the things in your life that you begin to have to say no to? I need to choose to do. Choose to begin my day with the Lord in his word in a desolate place. We're going to pray together. It would be my joy. It's an invitation to stand here. If you've got a burden, a concern, something you want to pray with somebody about, it's my joy to, to stand here during the invitation time. I'm really asking God to help me live an unhurried life. So at the conclusion of the service, I'm not in a rush to leave. If you want to talk about something, be my it's what I love to do. You might want to have a little Mary in you and come to the front and just kneel before him and say, Lord, I love you. Give me grace that I don't find you useful. I find you beautiful above all things. Oh, God, we need help now uh, for your spirit to come and take your word and apply to our lives. I am so thankful that you are patient with us. You are kind with us. You don't keep a record of wrong because you love us. And whatever it is that rules our heart, though they be mighty and strong things, they are not mightier than the blood of Jesus which cleanses us from all sin. You are faithful and just. God, when you speak truth to us, help us not say, no, 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 no. No, help us to have the humility to say, he is 100% right. And he's come to help me, come to give me life, life more abundantly. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.